Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boneheads one and all, please uh, give it up a, uh, a big, warm, rolling bones welcome for our guests this evening. It's been a long time coming talking to these guys. I've had so many Savage Worlds people on the show, heard so much about the events that these guys put on. So it's about time that we brought them on rolling bones. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm of course talking about the Rocky Mountain Savages. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up. For Mr. Dustin Hatchett. Hello. Give it up for Mr. Chris Landauer. How's it going, guys? And ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Chris Fox. Hey, everybody. Absolutely. Guys, welcome. Welcome Thanks to Rolling Bones. Oh, yeah, right. thank you very much. No problem at all. Once I saw that you guys were planning on doing an event in Deadwood, I was just like, all right, I got to, got to hear more about this right i mean the with uh, the, the new version of deadlands just started uh, amazingly even surpassed the amount of money they brought in for suede so congratulations to pinnacle on that we're like we have to celebrate and go to deadwood so yeah absolutely and uh elfie my wife and chat says hi and of course we are joined in chat by the legendary mr carl keesler we are not worthy <laughs> absolutely we love carl and it looks like we got a uh, savage boo 11 in chat as well that's me gotcha mm-hmm. all righty Cool. Well, guys, we are going to kick this thing off the same way we kick off every episode of Rolling Bones. I've got these questions here that I ask everyone. So uh, I guess we should just start at the beginning. How did you guys get into RPGs? I can tell you, uh, mine was, uh, I was in Big Brothers, and my little brother at the time wanted to play D&D, and I said, oh, uh, that that game for, like, the weird people and the nerds. And... uh, you know, being being a good big brother, uh, you know, I asked around and one of my employees, I had hap- I was running a daycare at the time, happened to run a game. And I said, well, you know, and he come and play. And she said, well, you guys could both come and play. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll come and give it a shot and went and played uh, the first night. And uh, I've been hooked ever since. I was one of those middle school geeks back in the 90s. Uh, my friends Reese, Nick and Tim were playing some AD&D, invited me over for a game. And I think my very first game session, I copied Reese's character, like, you know, like stat per stat. So we were like, you know, twinsies and uh, got hooked and was on it ever since then. AD&D was my entry into role playing. Uh, gone through GURPS, love GURPS, and then Savage Worlds, which is like a faster, more fun version of GURPS. So. Gotcha. 
Yep, I, I got my start with this one right here. Um, still have the original box that I got the for Star Trek Fossa. Um, did that uh, and Traveler and Boot Hill. Those That's where I started up. I actually did not play D&D uh, until after I'd gone through probably another dozen systems. Hmm. Gotcha. That, I mean, that's... It's not like completely out of the ordinary but it's definitely D seems to be the one that everyone gets hooked on uh to start with and so it's, yeah, it's interesting to see someone who uh who didn't kind of start with D. &D. I, I i was lucky enough to have uh an older brother and an uncle who had uh, done D, D early so they were moving on to these systems when they introduced me and they were like oh D, &D we'll get back to it uh, at some point in time and they were playing through every system that exploded from 81 through 91 gotcha and uh ladies and gentlemen we will at some point be doing a star trek episode of this podcast with uh the guy who's gming the star trek game that i'm playing in uh still kind of pulling some details together but you know since dustin brought that up i just wanted to let <laughs> everyone know that that is uh coming down the pipe shall we say or the yeah. pipe yeah. Oh, that's horrible, Chris. Horrible. All my all my plans are horrible. There's not a good one. Like there yeah. never will be. But you know. And uh, we, we do a every other week uh, Star Trek Adventures game right now, and um, we've been running that now since it came out. And I, I did not. Uh, I played Decipher Star Trek, Last Unicorn Star Trek. This one finally hooked me. Modifius did an incredible job on this uh, Star Trek. So finally my fossa is being put aside for this, uh, this version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've even got some of the, uh, I, I even picked up some of the minis that I've got kind of sitting over here next to my nice screen. I would show them, but uh, some of them are part of a surprise that I'm putting together for someone. I don't know if they're going to see this. So uh, I'm, I'm going to keep those off camera for now. There you are. Yeah, I got mine uh, professionally painted by a wonderful gentleman that we call Carrot, and uh, <laughs> he's won many Gen Con trophies and things in the past. So uh, I am very lucky uh, to have that resource here in Colorado. I got those professionally painted for, for a couple steak dinners. So, uh, yeah. And uh, Elfie wants to know if uh, you guys are Kirk or Picard. And you know what? I'll open it up even further and say you can throw in Cisco or Janeway if you want. I'm I'm totally Cisco. I grew up on Picard, but I think Deep Space Nine is the most interesting of the Star Treks because I love the politics. So Cisco. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And I'll just keep my mouth shut because I'm not a huge Star Trek fan. All good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> We, we're a DS9 household, so my answer would also be Cisco. And no Elfie, I'm not going to include Archer. No one likes Enterprise. I've, I've been threatened enough times with Lost the Geek card for saying I'm not a, a Star Trek groupier fan. So, You know, and I would, I would have been a Orca fan, but they turned him into a mustache twirler with no spoilers. Oh, see, I like the new, I like the new shows. Both seasons, I'm fine with it. Did not like the new Picard. The new Picard, uh, it came off as if it was written for someone else without Picard like in the mix. And they're like, oh, we, we pulled in the actor. Like, you know, uh, Sir Patrick, uh, 
Stuart. And uh, right, and this is Stuart, Sir Neil Patrick Harris. That would be hilarious too. Sir Neil Anyways, Patrick Harris. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I was that like, yeah, they kind of just shoehorn him in. So it was okay. It was okay written, but it was much more about you know the Romulans than it really was about Picard. So yeah, yeah, and and. Uh... <clears throat> Fox, would you consider yourself more of like a wars guy, or is it just like you're not really into either? Uh, no, I love Star Wars. Gotcha. Yeah, I would say more of a Star Wars guy. I mean, I've watched, you know, the the, you know, a lot of the different Star Trek shows, but I just I am not one of those people who is into the lore and could tell you everything about, you know, next gen and all of those. I'm just like I've seen bits and pieces of stuff, but never really sat down and watched an entire run of a series uh my my buddy uh william summed it up best he goes star trek is deep contemplative thought-provoking and star wars is wee and there's room for both mm-hmm. absolutely yeah <laughs> Alfie would say the force yeah. is strong with this one <laughs> yeah han solo is the coolest dude and and, and uh you know, in the space universe. So, yeah. also, Battlestar Galactica, the reboot was fantastic. The one that's like what, like nine years old at this point or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, Galactica. Right. The Expanse. The Expanse is currently rocking it. I think is the most relevant deep yeah. space show. Yeah, the Expanse is good. As soon yeah. as we finish DS Nine, this is actually my first time watching uh, Deep Space Nine. But... Oh, you never get that first time back. Mm-hmm. But once mm-hmm. we finish this up, I've I've already talked Elfie into watching The Expanse with me, and I've been holding off on watching it so that we can watch it together. So I'm I'm Absolutely. really excited for that one, especially like the early seasons because I consider myself a Thomas Jane fan. So mm-hmm. you won't be just... it's binge worthy. It really is, mm-hmm. and and he is excellent at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that that really kind of mediocre Punisher movie from the early 2000s, and he carries it himself, just just by himself. Through uh, sheer willpower. Yep. Yep. Yep, just like the anti-Travolta in that movie. I, this is not that big of a spoiler, but I think it's fair to say that so far, Thomas Jane has the character in this series has the most complete plot arc. I absolutely agree. And it's beautiful. Like, it yeah. really... It's very cool. Yeah. It's and good. he, you want me to he nails it. I mean, you want to talk about different levels he has to get to and things he has to do. And he never wastes his screen time. All right. And, and like, the, one of the, the, the hard parts about that show is they have... Uh, the, the Belters have this kind of Afrikaans pastiche language, mm-hmm. and he's one of the few who can really carry it yeah. off. Yeah. So, is it similar to like what they, the, the like street speak from uh, uh, Blade Runner? Is it something kind of like yeah. that? Yes. Yes. Gotcha. So, subtitles don't hurt because you actually appreciate reading how the alliteration is, it's mm. pretty wild. Yeah, he and those James Strayhorn, Strayhorn uh-huh. is the last name. They, yeah. they they've got the accents down. It's pretty good. He he uh, he is a very underrated actor. I saw him a couple years back in Spiderwick Chronicles. Uh, he was awesome in that and Sneakers with him and Robert Redford. He's the blind hacker. That dude can be anything. He, he, their, isn't he in the League of Their Own too? 
I believe so. Yeah, he's in a lot of good stuff. I like him as an actor. Mm -hmm. Well, there we go. We answered one of your questions so yeah. far. There's one. That's that's how we roll. That's typically how this goes. Uh -huh. hmm. Now, I think I know the answer to this next question, but I just want confirmation here. Of all the game systems you played, what's your favorite? I would have to say that uh, that that Savage Worlds thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm an unabashed fanboy. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, scared to admit that. Uh, I love the system. And yes, and, same. I, I, and then me. I'm always a contrarian in this group. Um, I uh, I break it down. Like if for con games, Savage Worlds, 100. percent uh, because you can do amazing things in four hours and not get bogged down flipping through a rule. Um, but for um, like fantasy, uh, th uh, 3.5 Kingdoms of Calamar, gritty fantasy, icky stuff, uh, some of that stuff. And then uh, for sci-fi, um, you know, I bounce over to Star Trek. I, I'm not system dependent. I'm more of what is the game trying to do? But that's the thing is mm -hmm. Savage Worlds fits in every crevice that other systems can't quite do and that's just getting it on the table mm -hmm. uh, so yeah that's that's all my caveats all right and to give you some red meat to chew i think if you want a character sheet that can describe someone to a t it's curves i mean seriously the you can read the character sheet and it is a autobiography or a biography of that character mm -hmm. um long-term campaign i think it's kind of worth sitting down and, and uh and you know detailing some of that stuff um i think it's you know the but you know savage worlds has most of that i mean the, you know edges and hindrances and the the, the point by um I, I gurps is a little easier to uh hone in on like hey we're gonna do supers okay that's a 500 point character okay hey we're gonna do mundanes it's a 75 to 100 point character um savage worlds we have if I think one of my caveats or their beefs about Savage Worlds at conventions is when people who are running conventions, all these characters they build are novice level characters. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. If it's yeah. a convention game. Give us some seasoned or seasoned you know, play it off. Yeah. 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 The scaling in uh, Savage World is the best um, to uh, from a GM perspective, too, because you can tweak it exactly the way you want. Um, because, it, and the, uh, you know, I've done every way for weird stuff. I've done diceless and then, uh, horror. I love doing dread. Um, and when, but all those different kinds of mechanics, machinations, the simplicity of, did you hit a four still just rings true. And I, I think a reason you see a lot of novice characters in con games is because when you're running at a con game. I think you, you don't know the people you're going to get and you are most likely expecting possibly people who have never played the system before <laughs> and to, to have a novice character. I mean, you get up in higher levels in Savage World. It's not like it's that much harder to play a season, a heroic than it is a novice, but there's more to them. So you have, you're going to have more questions. You're going to have to spend more time than with a novice character who's got their, their three hindrances and maybe two edges. But if, you know, depending on what type of character they're playing. And so I think that's why a lot of people are going to make those novice characters just, it, it's quicker to get to the table, less questions, 
but I can see, you know, I can see, you know, Landauer's point too is that, you know, you, you might like to see a little bit of the deeper character creation of, of Savage Worlds by playing some of those characters. You know, it's kind of it's that double-edged sword, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and whenever I run a Savage Worlds game, what's real nice is I can do a second page of that character sheet that. Um, I just cut and paste right out of the rules and what that hindrance is, what that thing is. And brand new people, they can read that second page and find their character right away. Um, You can't do that in every system, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got those, you've got the, the, all the, and then Sway, you, you had it in, in Deluxe 2, the, just the chart of like the, the one sentence about the edge of the hand. And then you can go into more detail if you need to. So, yeah, that's even with novice characters, I always make a second page. And I may have gotten that from you. <laughs> yep. And I have not gotten the chance to play in one of these games, but since he's here, it, it sounds to me like... Uh, like Carl takes full advantage of that that range of of different kinds of characters, especially from what I've seen from that Sin City material that he sent to me. Well, and also like Trailer Park Architect, they he, they keep putting out new uh, uh, Parkers, they call them, uh, so new characters to run with that. I mean, that is if you are anxious about running a fun, easy, can't screw it up con game, pick up Trailer Shark Park Attack and run it. The amount of characters that are with it, pick them all up give your players the choice of what kind of Parkers they want to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen that game run multiple times at Gen Con at our local conventions on the cruise. No one is, is ever not laughing and having fun with that game. I mean, you know, you can't recreate Carl, but uh, other than that. Well, and, and what's so amazing about that game is the mix of comedy, horror, suspense. I mean, that is, that is a uh, genre blender, that game. You just have a good time. Uh, yeah, but, and I, that's one thing that Savage Worlds does real well for a GM is if you want to, and, and GURPS used to do it, it was a more of a harder crunch from one book to another, but, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to, uh, have an adventure of the week this week and then, you know, totally change genre next week, you can, it's, it's not that hard. Yeah, absolutely. Now. Going back to some of those early games that you guys played, um, if you can remember your first character, I'd like to hear about your first character, but if you don't really have good memories of who your first character was, your first memorable character. Oh, mine was a total Munchkin character. So like, like I said, I picked uh, Reese's character. His name was Maldron the Magnificent. He had a staff of Magi, which was like pretty much the most powerful staff in AD&D. And because I was such a nerd and a, um, what's it, Munchkin, the, there's like 30 charges in the staff, right? But since Reese also had one in his character, if I used mine, then mine would only have 29 charges and his would have 30. So it never got used during the game. I had the most powerful magical weapon in the game, and it never got used once because that would mean it was less cool than Reese's. So that's where I started. And hopefully I've, I've grown a little bit since then. Maybe a little bit, but, you know. Yes, Maldron the Magnificent with the Staff of Magi. And mine was uh, Beldar, who, after a few games, became Beldar the Warg Slayer. Uh, so he was, you know, your quintessential fighter. You know, somebody helped me create him. And so he, you know, 18 strength and, and you know, everything he needed to be good at, he was good at. 
and uh you know played him for a long time and the the funny thing is is uh a lot of my like all my screen names and everything are beldar 1215 and all my friends and in the gaming group that i've been gaming with for 20 plus years they all call me beldar because at the time we had three chris's in our group mm-hmm. and so they just started calling me beldar and one of our friends her son I don't think he knew my actual name until he was in his teens because he just always called me Beldar. And so all other work slayer was the first character and I'm still Bel- Beldar to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of Beldar Conehead. I, I had no idea that's <laughs> I didn't know that there was a Beldar Conehead. I just thought Beldar sounded like a cool name. And so I named him that. I was just about to say, I, I just assumed you were a very, very big Dan Aykroyd fan, but no, and I still remember the first time somebody told me that I had to go and, and, and find it and watch it. I'm like, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> my my first character was uh, Ensign Junior Grade Third Class Darren Jones um, in the Star Trek game. And the very first thing I did, I was – there were two security officers who had died – and so I got to be the security officer, the red shirt on a landing party. Mm-hmm. This was with my uncle's gaming group. They were all in college and I was in elementary school. <laughs> and they gave me a phaser rifle and go said, um, we're, you have shore leave. Uh, you all can go hunting. And we went and hunted this thing called a devilope. Um, the, the thing was, you know, three stories tall um had big furry huge horn antlers and we all decided to go take some phaser rifles yeah and uh, shoot it um it caused a stampede went into the city destroyed a monorail because they had to rub the fur off their horns on the monorail pillars and after the adventure that was not the adventure of course it completely went sideways and just ended up being this whole impromptu thing mm-hmm. um yeah it was a slight oversight by the Federation landing crew on what to do with the protected species of Devilope. Uh, so needless to say, our captain got demoted to a uh, commander after that incident. Uh, good time. Good times had by all. And Darren Jones always showed up to um, try to rescue folks and never could. I killed more PCs than you can name. I was, yeah, I was, I was a bad co-GM plant as an elementary school kid with a bunch of college guys. It was fantastic. You probably had all the other players just screaming, no, no, please don't try to save me. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. So a lot of times when we, you know, begin to run a lot of games, there's a lot of, you know, characters that we just kind of collect, NPCs that travel from game to game. Uh, so for any of you guys who have them, who are your forever PCs or your, your forever NPCs rather? Uh, I have ones I've stolen from my uncle, the Gomez brothers. They came from Boot Hill ended up in my group's mercenaries game and then moved on. They are the NPCs who kick down the door and pull you out when you're about ready to have a TPK. Um, and uh, fun ensues because you always have to do something for the Gomez brothers in return. And there's been times that my party has taken a TPK because they don't want to be indebted to the Gomez brothers <laughs> and the Gomez brothers. They just, even if one dies, there's always another Gomez brother. Oh, mama Gomez. She was uh, pumping him mm-hmm. out after yeah. year. Yeah. Prolific. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my, mine was in uh, Deadlands, the flood. 
uh, and he's shown up in multiple games now for multiple groups, but uh, his name is Vasinji. And he uh, is a maze runner who has a boat called the Amore. And I always did a really horrible Italian accent with him. It's the only one I can do that I try to even do. Primore! And so Vicenji has shown up in a, a number of games for a number of different groups. So, you know, I've got two or three groups that have dealt with Vicenji. Uh, and he had his two sons and, you know, his two sons at one point were fighting over one of the NPCs uh, for her affection. And uh, that one, I'm, she still talks about that to this day. And she's playing a completely different character in a different Deadlands game I'm running right now. But she'll still bring up Vicenji and his two sons. And yes, I named them Luigi and Mario. Just because I couldn't, come up, I couldn't come up with anything on the spot, so mm-hmm. uh, that was the most horrible names ever. But uh, they still talk about it, so I guess it was okay. Yep. As long as yeah. the players remember it. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> At conventions, I run a lot of um, parody crossover games, like Star Wars and Game of Thrones mashups. So I don't really have a lot of characters to kind of hop between games. But um, when I'm not playing Savage Worlds, when I'm playing Fantasy. I've got a character class type that i always play like the entire opposite like he's just a dumb half work or a half whatever you know the largest stupidest you know smart as a dumb stat half the time his name is like dung lobe which is a uh, anagram of bludgeon but also you know crap for brains it works mm-hmm. out yeah. so this is the guy where like you know you're approaching the evil elemental temple and there's a black baptismal font he drinks it because he's thirsty and uh so he just does everything he actually plays stupid and it's hilarious. It's a lot of fun just playing stupid in the game because I think a lot of times the players, um, characters that are kind of um, uh, themselves but better or you know more heroic. And uh, no, I like playing really stupid characters and actually playing them stupid to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Usually makes for better stories than I was so clever and I defeated everything and I aced the game and no one died. It's like oh, great. That's right. It's like a wedding. Like when you have a wedding that like everything like, like the bride is perfect and thin, and the, the groom is handsome or the bride and the bride and groom or whatever, and the food was delicious and the venue was amazing and the parents were all respectful and all the speeches were and no one got drunk. No, there's no good stories that come from that. But, you know, if the dress catches on fire and people give, you know, I really loved you for their, you know, the best man to the bride instead of the, you know, all those things, those are much more better stories. So playing stupid is fun. That's my, every game, I'll, if I'm playing fantasy, I'll play stupid. And we could name that character Monkey Wrench. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tend to have a NPC, a no-name NPC as a body that comes in in a lot of my different games. When when I need to describe something horrific, um, I just explain that uh, you see over in the corner that person impaled with, and it's usually either an IBM keyboard, one of those big click-clack, big chunky ones, mm-hmm. or some kind of... Um, if it's a telegraph equipment or it, it's got to be something that has lots of buttons that's impaled into someone because there's just pathos there. <laughs> because when you're writing, you just get impaled by what, yeah, it's yep. labels. But that that shows up uh, quite often in my games that mm-hmm. uh, when I want to describe something horrific because everyone's like, ooh. Gotcha. Now, one thing I will say about that wedding analogy, um, my... My wedding, uh, my, my wife and I's wedding, it was, you know, everyone was respectful. She was beautiful. It was a great day, but we were all dressed like Lord of the Rings characters. So There we go. You <laughs> something. See, that's a good story. Yeah. Martha Stewart would approve. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So when it comes to both playing and GMing, we all kind of develop our own unique styles that we bring to the table. Uh, now, now, Chris, we've heard a little bit about yours already, uh, but you know, for, for the rest of you guys, as players, as GMs, how would you describe your style? Uh, I, I facilitate dice. I let the players create the story. Gotcha. The biggest thing for me is bringing energy. Um, I try to be on game, like, you know, showtime for, so I, yeah, I want there to be energy at the table because I think the, the worst role-playing experiences I've had as a player have been a low-energy GM. Even if they're a great author, you know, the rules, they're low-energy, eh, you know, if someone's falling asleep at the table, you got a problem. So I, I like to bring energy, no matter what the system is. Um, you know, use voices, be excited. Uh, feed your energy to your players. Yeah, and the hard thing about being a GM right now is sitting down in front of this webcam. Yeah. When I GM, and these two can attest to it, I'm standing up the entire time. I'm moving. Hmm. Yeah, this sitting down in front of a camera is killing yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, standing up is, is just helps that energy flow mm-hmm. to the table more, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... And I do this show, and then my whole my whole job revolves around me video conferencing with people, and I, I've beaten this drum so many times since this has started. But GMing in at my desk behind a camera, it it just does not feel the same. It it feels like I'm still at my job, basically. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely feel yeah. you on that. I'm stuck in this box. I'm stuck <laughs> in this box. Although. One of my friends uh, ha- has dedicated himself to capturing moments that happen in our Wednesday campaign uh, just as we're going. And one of the pictures he got was of me on camera doing this motion. And I'm guessing it was some kind of monster. I know there was an Umber Hulk in that particular session. So I think that was me doing Umber Hulk <laughs> motions that he caught on camera. <laughs> yep. Because even on even in these constraining environments, I I just can't help myself. And it's harder to feel the room. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's just little things like I know uh, Fox always mentions that you know no no phones at the table yeah. uh, because you know, it's a distraction. It's so much easier when you're like you're not even at the same table to be like oh I'm gonna check some emails or oh the dog is here or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 harder. It's not the same. I've been triggered. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's right. So when it comes to those of us who, you know, have dedicated so much of our lives to playing these games, there's a lot of great memories tied up at the table. Um, so if you guys had to pick fondest RPG memories, what would they be? I'll, I'll, in that in that group that uh, I was playing with, uh, you know, um, my friends and and my little brother at the time, uh, you know, his mom was really really cool about him coming and playing D and D, you know, with a, a bunch of twenty somethings. And uh, there was one night when we got started at I think we started about four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, our, our our GM her name was Cindy. And she had this setup where it was our party and I think four other parties. And we were basically, it was a race to the top of a, of a mountain to get Thor's hammer. We started, like I said, about four in the afternoon, 
got to be about nine o'clock that night when we called his mom and said we were still playing. And at seven o'clock the next morning, I took him home. So we played from like 4 p.m. to 7 o'clock the next morning. Just one huge race and battle. And that was, as a player, one of the funnest games I've ever played in. And still to this day, remember it because of the fact we were still playing with us when the sun came up. And, you know, and his mom knew where he was. He was safe. And we just we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have three quick hits uh, because they're very different things, but very memorable. One is getting together with extended family and friends on a Halloween night, playing Dread with the Jenga Tower. And I put the Jenga Tower on top of an oil pan. So that way, uh, basically, just the, the flat oil. So that way, when it falls, it makes the loudest sound possible, but it also helps that you don't, you're not picking up Jenga off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing it by candlelight. And it was an old abandoned mine. So when the, you know, the first character, when they drop that Jenga tower and make it clang and everything, they die at the bottom of the uh, thing that I've never seen uh, 10 people jump simultaneously and <laughs> have to take a break um, because they all almost wet themselves. Um, oh and then one that's funny on the other side um, is... We did a Tales from the Floating Vagabond that in order to reactivate the bar, long, long thing, uh, you had to do Twister. And I got six people at a con to do Twister in the middle of the convention while everyone's watching playing a game of Twister on the Twister mat, all the PCs, yes, in order to get through. So it became a quasi-LARP. And then the last one was when I smashed up two tables of Star Trek and um, it, it, no one it, no one saw it coming. It was me and my uncle doing it. These guys remember the craziness that ensued that night with Klingons destroying the Fed and it became a PvP game real quick, real fast. <laughs> there two tables smashing together and they didn't even know they were coming together. In the middle of a con on a savage Saturday night. So yeah, we had we had like twenty five or more tables that night, and everybody heard the Klingons <laughs> invading the room. Honor. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, you guys were in a completely different room, kind of off to yeah. the side because you needed yeah, more, yeah. more space. Yeah, there was three oh, no, rooms. Like each of the tables were... had their own room, and then there was like the, the, the conference room. And... No, that was when okay, the con game turned into a campaign game. The first con game was just two tables on opposite ends of that room okay. that they did the auction in. We smashed them together. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the, the one you guys are talking about is the very following one where we had 18 players simultaneously playing and we had to have three breakout rooms and they were running around like crazy because we had the six players who played or the 12 players who played in those two games and we had six more people who wanted to play. So we, yeah, that was, yeah. Gotcha. Good yeah. stuff. And uh, now with Savage Star Trek, <laughs> Elfie would just like you to know that as far as that uh, second story goes, that's twisted. And then she would also like to say, Kabla. <laughs> Kabla! <laughs> right. I think my uh, one of my special moments about a year and a half ago um, at a local convention. If you look in Suede, there's a, a thanks section uh, for the new edition, and 
seriously, like three quarters of the names of the special thanks or Rocky Mountain Savages members. And we had Shane Hensley at the convention and we gave out um, little gold um, thank yous to everybody who was listed, like the 25 some odd people who were listed, who were all Rocky Mountain Savages members. And uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, just having everybody who's kind of this community here, um, you know, get, to be able to get, you know, get thanked by Shane Hensley and us for kind of, you know, uh, keeping the the Savage Worlds, uh, you know, train going. And um, I think other one, um, last year, Dragon Con 2019. So Dragon Con's interesting. They do this like big muster at the beginning. It's my, it was my first time going and I ran Bureau 13 and some uh, spells, weapons and tactics there. And so I was running every day. And they get everybody kind of in. Uh, does, did you find it, Dustin? Did you have your little gold? Uh, yeah, I got it buried. I didn't want to take that long. It's good uh, uh, minutes to get to it. Anyways, the, it was cool. It was a great moment. And then uh, so Dragon Con, um, uh, everybody, all the players are sitting in these uh, in rows of chairs before the games, and all the game masters are kind of on one side of the room, and the organizer calls the game. And everybody already signed up for it, joins the game. And then if there's any open spots, they can fill people in as the games get sent to their rooms. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had already GM'd for David Anderson and his son, Kyle. And uh, so they knew who I was and they were playing in the second one of the games I was running. And uh, when they called my name, they stood up and cheered. And that uh, was pretty awesome. It was like the only game master who got a standing ovation uh, for the next game. And so those two were awesome. Uh, David Boop was there. Um, that was fun. It was fun. It was a, kind of a nice um, uh, little, you know, thank you as a game master to have players, you know, be excited to run in your games. And uh, David has since gotten hired on. I don't know if I, I'm the one who can say, but he's gotten hired on by one of the big Ace publishers for one of the biggest Ace products. And he's writing adventures for them now. So in the, the course of the last year, he's gone from being a Savage Worlds fan to being a Savage Worlds author. And uh, so congratulations to him when you guys will be able to, and I think he's got something out now on um, the uh, Savage Worlds Adventures Guild. So yeah, look up David Anderson. He's awesome. Gotcha. I went to Dragon Con for eight years in a row. Uh, that's where I met my wife. Uh, but I never once gamed at Dragon Con. And that's, I, I found gaming a little bit later, kind of after I, stopped going to Dragon Con, Dragon Con, but I've always been intrigued about how you just handle that many people in just kind of the, the terrifying tornado of organized chaos that uh, <laughs> just a small RPG convention can breed, how you then like magnify that by 10 in a Dragon Con type setting. Well, the crazy thing is uh, we run more games at, at, at here in Colorado than they do with Dragon Con. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Dragon Con is a huge convention. So, yeah, yeah we know a little bit about doing the, the, the big games well. But uh, yeah, Dragon Con is fun. It's not like the other conventions. I mean, Gen Con is very gaming-oriented, you know, the board game. Dragon Con has so much else going on. It, it is a little weird being the gamers there because mm – -hmm. This last year, we're kind of on like the third level of a hotel and you have to go through a huge ballroom where they're doing miniatures and painting and um, uh, gaming and magic and then take a little tiny bridge over to a corner of another building. <laughs> and then that's where the gamers are. So it's like, yeah, we'll put you guys like in the back where no one has to look at you or smell you. And, uh, and uh, everybody else, like, you know, the cosplayers, they get their own parade mm -hmm. and, uh, you know. 
gaming is kind of tucked away, but it was still a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, I was always there for uh, for for cosplay because I was super into that for a while. And uh, Carl mentioning gunmetal games and you see a certain cyberpunk game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not mine to tell. But yeah, it could be like that one, like really <laughs> awesome cyberpunk game, the the largest Savage Worlds Ace product, uh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Potentially, could be. So, unfortunately, you know, now that we've mentioned some of the, the greatest moments, uh, we've got to sink the ship a little bit and, uh, and talk about some of our lowest moments because, you know, we do share the table with all kinds of people. Some of them are fantastic and become our best friends in the world. Some of them we just don't click with. The worst of these players we have a term for, and that is that guy. So... The that guy story that you guys are comfortable with uh, with talking about uh, without, you know, feeling that you're going to uh, shame yourself or someone else with the story. Just your your best that guy story that you can share. Yeah, I just I just hit this one right now. Uh, I'll just give a shout out to Dan Woman. Um, him and I met in Boy Scouts uh, by me puking on his food at the Air Force Academy. Um, <laughs> we're best friends. But that guy. Uh, yeah, he goes and uh, jumps into my GURPS Mercenaries game and decides to shoot two other player characters because it was the right decision to be made. And it, it was GURPS. Um, and they didn't die. They're just wounded and, and, and maimed. And they have to take this ads. And now I've got a Mercenaries game with Gimpy and Stumpy because of the ninja shooting them. I'm like, why is a ninja shooting them anyway? Yeah that guy screwed up a campaign of mine best friend best friend but yeah that guy. so yeah i had a that guy and i i don't know if by dealing with that guy made me that guy but it was the first ever roll 20 game that i was running and so you know i brought a bunch of people in and i had one friend of mine uh, i need one more player and he said well and i won't use names he said well can my buddy play i'm like sure and so we get on to roll 20 and i give him characters and one of the characters it's it was the Explorer edition, I think, fantasy archetypes uh, that you can still get on the PEG website. And one of the one of the characters had mean as a hindrance. So this guy thought that that meant I'm going to be an asshole to everyone. Pardon me. Hopefully I can say that in uh, in game and out, uh, you know, in the game and kind of out of the game. And, you know, and he was talking about how drunk he was and how he'd been drinking. And this is this is not in game. And he's just started in on one of the other characters and he was just being just a total jerk to this to one of my friends and so i go into into the chat in roll 20 thinking i'm i'm being all cool because you know you can whisper to certain people well i did it wrong and i said to the entire roll 20 group in chat i really i, I said i'm sorry i didn't know this guy was going to be such an ass <laughs> and one of my and one of my friends go and he types he whispers to me he goes you realize you said that to, to everyone and i just typed back to everyone i really don't care and <laughs> That kind of ended the game. Everybody stopped talking. Everybody stopped role playing. And I kind of ended the game at that point. Never, never ran for the guy again. Never played with the guy again. But uh, yeah, he was uh, he was that guy. And maybe I became that guy by calling him an ass to everyone. But I thought I was whispering. It's okay. That happens in LARP all the time, man. You're you're cool. It's all okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> Right, and Fox is so congenial. The fact that he even mm-hmm. got there once in his lifetime is just amazing. The um, 
let's see. Oh, before we before I give you my uh, Grognard story, um, David Anderson's product on Drive Through RPG is the Dungeon Delvers Toolkit. Pick it up. I put a link in the chat. Um, it's awesome. And uh, so, uh, worst, uh, we had a at a con game. Game Master was running Night Train, and Night Train is kind of a famous TPK adventure for Savage Worlds. It's kind of a serious game. Like it's you know. Uh, it starts out like an entire town has been massacred, and then you're, you, there's literally a train full of like, vampires and ghouls and yeah, automatons. It's, it's double mocha chocolate dark. Right? Yeah. It's dark. And the, 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 one of the players in the room who hadn't said much kind of had like an anxiety attack and was sure that someone had stolen their dice. They didn't have all the dice in their dice bag. So everybody had to like do a dice inventory of all the dice that were on them and empty their pockets. And then then they left the room to go check another room where they might have been playing before for their dice. Then con security came in and had to like check the room for dice. And the person was in the room and out of the room and in the room and out of the room. And we had private rooms for this too. So it was one of the nicer setups we had at a con. Mm-hmm. And it was just it killed everything about the momentum literally of the train and of the, the suspense and the player, they, just, they, they were just having a bad day and, and no one, we never found the dice. No one had their dice, you know, but it was, it was a, you know, someone has my dice. Someone stole my dice. Yeah. That's brutal. Breakdown. Yeah. So other than that, man, like the uh, most players are pretty cool here. We got a good group of people. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I mean, I've had people, when I ask that question, they just kind of shy away from it. Uh, some of it's just, you know, you don't want to relive the, the bad moments. But there are some people who are like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say the name of the players. So I just naturally assume that one of these big celebrity D&D players is just an absolute uh, asshole at, at every con <laughs> game. It's like, I what did Matthew weird... Lillard do this time? <laughs> right? <laughs> Days and confused. The um, I know he was at Hackers too. I watched Hackers the other night with Angie and yeah. Jolie. That was a fantastic movie. That's Anyways, so the um, <laughs> we need uh, some uh, um, dirt from uh, the Saving Throw folks and see which one of them all wants to throw each other under the bus next time we get to. Yeah. I mean, they're all too nice. It's really sad. That people, <laughs> the people are like that good looking and that nice. Like oh no, I'm, I'm sure Megan Caves wants to cut someone. Just <laughs> cut some, <laughs> right? Anyone that nice has a secret, right? Just, yeah. just guaranteed. Yeah, if you, if you can't if you can't find their flaw after like talking to them for five minutes, they've got to be like a serial killer. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's something there. They just no one can be that good. Absolutely. Well, guys, we've got our last introductory question here. This one has flummoxed some people as well. Uh, I will tell you the answer to this question can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. But if you could put anything on a T-shirt, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. Well, Aside I'm wearing a Rocky Mountain Savages T-shirt, and so is Dustin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. mine has a flaming D20 on it. Uh-huh. Mine has yeah. Rush on it. Um, the other two are going to answer, and I'm going to. I have a shirt that I got. Someone purchased for me in um, New Orleans during Savage Cruise. Oh, I think it's in the other room. Yeah, but that one's going to lose like all kinds of monetation. He, That's true. Blur. You're going to need. Yeah, it's just. Uh, you may want to send a picture offline. Um, right, we'll send that one offline. It's, yeah. it's profane, but it's it's kind of wow. wonderful. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. To be honest with you, I don't. I can't come up with anything right off the top of my head. But I do have a T-shirt that I love, and it just says "Body by Gygax." 
<laughs> and I have gotten so many compliments on, and it's funny when you, when, when you wear that and people who are, in, who are in the know will just start laughing. I, I had some people do that in the grocery store. They're like, Oh my God, I love your shirt. And so I think that's one of my favorite uh, RPG shirts. And then I have another one that says, uh, Oh my God, it's R2D, R2D2. I loved him in Star Trek and it's got a, a Dalek on it. I wear that just to piss off my friend, Naboo. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got the Spock one where he's throwing gang signs saying, trek yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, I, that's, that's classic. I, I throw that out all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, now that we've got these uh, introductory questions out of the way, um, I mean, we should obviously dig into some of the stuff that you guys uh, do. So I guess first and foremost, how did the Rocky Mountain Savages form? <laughs> uh, so when we started it was uh for me getting into savage worlds i got into savage worlds uh through the games the thing so thank you ron and Ronica blessing and you know i was getting into it i was reading it i was going to conventions and the one convention i went to there were like two or three savage worlds games being run and i'm like well that is just not enough that there's got to be something we, we have to start running more savage roles. And at that point I wasn't really into running it at conventions. I was a player. I figured, you know, that's, that's, that was me. I just played the game and, you know, hooked up with, uh, you know, Neil Hyde, uh, who was with 12 to midnight. Uh, I think he is still with, with 12 to midnight. They're still doing, doing things out there. And he and I started talking and, you know, it just, it, it, was like a boulder going down a mountain and it just kept growing and growing and we just kept adding games we kept adding gms you know we added chris at one point who just came in and and just helped blow things up Uh, i think if it wasn't for him it we wouldn't be where we are Mm -hmm. so my appreciation is is uh uh you know has no has no uh, bounds on that uh, you know i i think that without him we wouldn't be where we are um somebody asked me something uh the other day about deadwood and i said i said i don't know i said i said chris chris comes up with things and then he tells me about them and i say <laughs> okay let's do it you know so and i and i know chris kind of can talk a little bit more about you know how things ratcheted up when he came in but that was the core it's just there was not enough savage worlds being run at colorado conventions and i wanted to do something about it and so that's how rocky mountain savages came to be and so basically kind of neil and i were the founders we came up with it and it just kind of grew from there mm-hmm. the uh, yeah no i had gone to a nerd college and played very little role-playing while i was there so when i graduated and came out here uh, came back to Denver, uh, I got into the Denver GURPS group and they were kind of, um, you know, I wanted to do something besides fantasy and GURPS obviously had those splat books like, you know, Arabian Nights and, and Rome and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, through a friend, Todd Higman, he started co- going to um, Genghis Khan and Tacticon. And at one of those, I was there running um, what in Savage Worlds terms would be like a Weird Wars Rome game. It was kind of a... Uh, 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 alternate history, Rome meets uh, uh, the China game. And the funny thing about that, I mean, coming full circle, that was 10 years ago, at least. I think, I think this is the, the 10th year anniversary of the Rocky Mountain Savages. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 10 years, right? so 10 years ago, I was running at that con, and that was the convention 
where they had first organized the Rocky Mountain Savages at. And I was playing in those games. So I've been around since the beginning, haven't been running since the beginning, but like Mark Gacy was there and Neil Hyde was there and I played in their, their games. I think I played a game with like Lee Langston and John Fiala. So kind of, you know, with along with Fox, the guys who were originally there. And then Dustin has been going to these conventions for years. I mean, Dustin has the archive of local conventions and now he's a local convention owner multiple times over and um so i was running and i you know uh played in some savage worlds games because there was like two of us running gerps and then there was a bunch of savage worlds like hey let's go check out savage worlds mm-hmm. and uh fell in love with it it was amazing um neil hyde ran this great game um that was war blammer which was a parody fantasy of warhammer <laughs> and uh mark gacy was running um, I think he was running some Deadlands and then uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory post-apocalypse game. Um, just some great stuff. And uh, I don't know, 10 years later, um, we were on a big project with Mark Casey up until recently. Uh, and hopefully we're going to kind of move those assets into a new published product. Um, uh, Lee Langston and Dustin and Fox and I, along with David Boop, were working on Bureau 13. Um, that jumps the tracks, but we're also going to probably hopefully you know, move those things into getting published. Uh, Neil Hyatt's working with us on SWAT. So it's kind of funny that 10 years later, like all the people who were my little idols that I played with um, were now publishing stuff with. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I'll turn it over to Dustin. So Dustin is, uh, he has an independent company called Rocky Mountain Games. And uh, so he's been at this uh, incorporation in gaming stuff longer than I have. And uh, he's definitely uh, upped our authenticity as a, you know, we incorporated as the savages. We have intellectual property as the savages. You know, we're yeah, doing adult stuff. Yeah, I was about to say that it's it's gone now to the to the point where we are, you know, Rocky Mountain Savages LLC. We're an ace. You know, we're we're working on publishing. You know, uh, our own games and things like that. So to to go from there's two games at a convention to where we are now is just astounding to me. Yeah, and I, I got started in gaming, like I said, back with my uh, uncle in 85. Went to my first big game convention where, um, 89, where I, I literally got handed a credit card by my mom and said, don't screw up and you're, oh, you're never going to do it again. And uh, so, um, yeah, the Tacticon 89 was my first one. And, and I've got literally every con book from every convention I've ever been to in these th- crazy three ring binders. And it kind of helped because um, uh, Landauer was like, hey, when was like the first game we actually run as the Savages? And I'm like, I got that. And he's like, what? <laughs> so that's how I kind of, uh, you know, said, well, well why don't I help you out with this stuff? I actually was running some Savage Worlds on the side and showed up at a Dave and Buster's um, in an old Battletech uh, pod arena that they had pulled out rest in peace at Battletech pod arena mm-hmm. um, here in Denver um, but then we got together and we were trying to get a hundred Savage Worlds games and get that going and Fox was there rallying the troops going hey what are we all playing what are we all doing and that that meeting in that space uh, was fantastic because we just all were laughing and we were uh, the momentum was incredible um and it's been it's been good ever since just great people great games good times um and of course i had to help it on the business side because you know you want to see something thrive mm-hmm. absolutely so 
you guys have big presence at uh, Tacticon and Genghis Khan. Uh, when did that go from we are going to, you know, organize and and make sure that there's Savage Worlds at all these local conventions to we're going to do a cruise? So the uh, a few years back now, maybe five years at this point, there was a lot of like the old guard who owned Genghis Khan and Tacticon were kind of at the retirement stage. And a lot of their paperwork kind of wasn't in order and they kind of imploded. And uh, new management came and bought the conventions. And we were the one group that really kind of stood up and kept it going when there was a lot of drama around. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of fragmentation, three or four other local conventions popped up. Um, but we kind of stayed the course and kept it going and that was really good. And then the new management had a kid and so decided to sell again. And interestingly enough, the the new new management, so Genghis Khan and Tacticon got sold, uh, what, a year and some ago, um, had a falling out with those guys. So we're not actually sponsoring games at Genghis Khan uh, currently. Gotcha. And because we lost our, our home venue, we're like, hey, let's take it on the road. So that was part of the, and we'd always looked at doing something bigger and better um, than just Colorado. I mean, we've kind of maxed out Colorado for what it is. Um, but the, yeah, it was an opportunity. I mean, the Savage Cruise, Steve Kellison was floating that idea around for a couple of years. And it was always kind of too close to the, the, the one of the big cons that was here. So it's was like, you know, we really can't put in all the effort into, you know, putting on 100 games at that convention and also do a cruise like the week before or whatever. Hmm. And um, but this last year, since we didn't have to organize uh, on the local front, we said, hey, let's let's do the cruise. So we did a seven day cruise out of New Orleans. Uh, we were there for a couple of days on either side of that, which was a whole lot of fun and uh, hit up some great islands. And we're planning on doing it again. So that was kind of the the the, the excuse to get bigger was uh, um, yeah was there for us. So. You know, the, the thing the thing was is is we didn't have any idea how big it was going to be. We didn't have any idea how many people we were going to have. And we ended up with was it it was over seventy, right? Oh, I think we were close to a hundred total. At the, by the that one, like, I mean, yeah. We had, we had people, uh, guy, gamers, and then uh, significant yeah. others. Yeah. And guy, guy Sergeant. I mean, we had people come from England, from overseas, to go on the cruise and ready to go on another one. And so it just, again, exceeded our expectations. It was so much fun. I had never been on a cruise before, uh, and just cruising with your people, <laughs> with your tribe, yeah. was just. It was amazing. I had such a great time, and I had. All my friends, a lot of my Colorado friends went, you know, so I was hanging out with with people from my gaming groups uh, outside of the cons and things. And it was just it was it was amazing. So looking forward to hoping we can get another one. Uh, probably 2021 at some point is what we're hoping for. I mean, uh, uh, nobody's throwing it out. Yes, so I'll throw it out there. But, uh, you know, Corona has screwed up a lot of things for us right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, of, we were going to have a pretty good showing, I think, at Gen Con. We were working with uh, Jody and Clint to go demo things and get things going at Gen Con. We are going to have a good time. The, the RMS was going to kind of be their demo team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this so, was yeah. – I was planning on this being my first Gen Con uh, before uh, before yeah. all this hit. And so there, yeah. this was going to be the year that I went to gaming conventions. And, I, you know, I was going to – I was going to hit up Gen Con and I was going to do this and that. And then suddenly, no, nothing's happening. 
Oh, and what's right. amazing about going to gaming conventions is they all have such a different flavor. Mm -hmm. So it's really enjoyable to bounce around. And yeah, as, as someone who uh, runs a game convention, we're going to try to run here in January. And we've got a contingency set up, you know, for social distancing and hand sanitizer and masks if we need to. And um, uh, it, uh, I, I, I wish I could... Um, yeah, well, yeah, wish I could hug the folks at Gen Con right now because, man, there's a lot of people hurting. And uh, that's why yeah. I wore my Gen Con hat tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Last year was kind of my year. The year, the year was going to be this year. Like, I went to all the gaming conventions. I mean, D Dustin hit up what? You hit up Origins and Gen Con. And yeah, and you did Dragon Con. And, yeah, I did yeah, Dragon Con and Gen Con. Yeah, I've kind of done them all because I also ran Dealer's Room at a big anime convention here uh ndk um and we were making the move from 7500 person con to 15,000 person con this year and now we're gonna try to figure that all out in one of the gaylord hotels what's interesting is we have enough square footage to do social distancing but yet we got to keep the numbers that we had at the previous hotel so you know figuring all that stuff out and mm -hmm. i Oh, I, I, I feel for con organizers. Um, some of, some of our friends, uh, out on in California and some of the great conventions that I was going to try to get to out there that have great Savage Worlds representation. Um, yeah, this year I wanted to hit some other ones that I hadn't been to before. But as of right now, Deadwood is still on. We've, uh, yep. we don't have to go big for Deadwood to be profitable for us. So, the uh we're september 17th through the 20th in deadwood hmm. um we've been a little bit quiet about it during covid just to see you know how that shakes out um but you, you can see it was going we announced it went gangbusters we paid off our deposit and then like the second covid really hit it was just like like one day people stopped buying tickets and mm -hmm. uh, so we haven't pushed it a, a real big again just waiting to see you know I think a big con kind of has to step forward and run and kind of ease some fears and that hasn't happened yet. You know, Gen Con is not going to be the one, maybe Dragon Con is going to be the one. Well, um, due to liability and everything else. Yeah. Right. It, and it baby steps. I, I would say that, and, and I don't want to jinx it or, or say, but if for some reason we do have to take a step back and not do it, I think that is something that will be back on the calendar. It will, it will happen. It's mm -hmm. just, when can it happen? When can it happen safely? When will people feel comfortable? You know, and and we'll make that I think we'll make that decision, you know, as soon as we feel comfortable, because we don't want people to have, you know, plane tickets and things like that, that they can't get refunded. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're watching it, we're trying to see what we want to do. Uh, so again, right now, we're gonna we're gonna try to push forward. But if something happens, well, and they've they've opened up uh, for about the past couple weeks here. Opened up the casinos. I mean, they're they're testing the waters up there. We will find out a lot after July fourth. Yep. And what's nice though is we still encourage folks um, at least let us know you're coming. There's there you can uh, there's zero dollar tickets. There's you know regular tickets on uh, tabletop events, and everything's one hundred percent refundable because we know where this is at and what's up. Um, you know, so just follow us along. We'll, uh, 
literally 30 days from now, we'll know if it's a go or no go because Deadwood, the city itself will know where it's at and how it's operating in this new world. So that's the nice thing to know. We will have some at least guidance here pretty soon because they're trying to open up Sturgis is on They're They're going Mm -hmm. full board. So we'll see how that all goes. Yeah. And there's also uh, the same time we're up there. There's the Deadwood uh, music festival and it'll be curious. I haven't even checked yet to see if that's still on or if they've canceled. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if it hasn't canceled, that might be a barometer for us to look at as well to kind of see how things are going to go. And we're working with, you know, the Hampton Inn and Suites there and the Gold Dust uh, Hotel and Casino. These are uh, reputable businesses who will make sure to build the infrastructure we need to host an event, right? It's not like we're getting together at an Airbnb or some other weird resort that isn't going to be on top of it. So. Yeah. If you guys are interested, the um, check us out. It's on tabletop events. Just search for Deadwood. It's called Expedition Deadwood. It's the only Deadwood event on tabletop.events. Um, website, savagecruise.com or savageexpedition.com. Uh, the, because of COVID, the cruise lines have a really smoking deal. And we're currently looking, if things open up and everyone is copacetic to go back on a cruise ship, um, we're looking at something in like January 10th this uh, beginning of next year, six day cruise out of Port Canaveral. So kind of in Carl Kieser's neck of the woods, like an hour out of Orlando. Mm-hmm. So there's like all the stuff to do like Disneyland and all that fun stuff. There's a Gator world. Um, but that would be NASA, Bahamas, Amber Cove and Grand Turk. Mm-hmm. And the prices are amazing. It's like interior is under 500, like 445 for two people in an interior room. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, uh, we haven't, we haven't really signed any contracts yet on that, but like that's, if we're going to do another Savage Cruise to kind of uh, make up for not seeing each other for most of this year, uh, we might pull one off January 10th, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you guys have any feedback, please give us the feedback on it. We'd love it. Yeah, and getting and knowing how that is will help me with a local con here, figure out kind of where we're at because we're going to try to run MLK weekend uh, in January uh, for Hexicon. And we've got a – we've upgraded um, – uh, the hotel that we're into a much larger space. So we, we should be able to do social distancing if required. So we'll see how this all plays out. You know, positivity, uh, uh, never hurts. Absolutely. And, and this question is as much for me as it is for the audience out there. Uh, but are, are you guys still accepting games for, uh, for Deadwood? Absolutely. The uh, Game Masters get a free a free pass. Uh, so just sign up as under the Game Master badge. It's $0 and just start submitting games. And we'll actually accept games up until the convention starts because we're that good at, you know, yeah. <laughs> Dustin is that good at um, figuring out tables last minute. And uh, but yes, we are accepting games. And um, and again, if anyone needs to cancel for any reason, no questions asked. Every all the money's refundable if you can't make it for any reason. And then we're looking also just for a precaution to have you know masks, hand sanitizer, and temperature readers, the non-touchy laser one, um, just to ease people's minds while we're there. Um, but yeah, so under tabletop events, Expedition Deadwood 2020, uh, game masters can sign up right now, zero dollars, and submit games to us. Cool. Well. I am definitely planning on going. I still need to make my arrangements, but I, I mean, if if I only get one convention or one gaming event this year, it's got to be it's got to be Savage Expeditions Deadwood. That's that's got to be the one. I got to go. 
Right, and we're, we're, we're trying to make it much more than just gaming. You know, we're trying to get out and do horseback riding, go visit a gold mine, um, do some shooting, go to a gun range. Kim, our travel agent, uh, is a certified NRA instructor. Um, get on the ATVs, run some trails, um, paintball. Uh, we, were, we were planning on doing some paintball duels. Um, we still might do it. Um, I have my eyes on some awesome paintball revolvers that are... Um, like the uh, the actual old west style guns, mm -hmm. and uh, we just want to make sure that it's uh, uh, pr protection friendly, low velocity, and uh, so we have to test it out still. But I mean, who wouldn't want to do like a high noon duel right. in Deadwood with yeah. paintball? Guns? I mean, come on, like exactly. you can shoot me in the face. I will let people and, shoot me in the face. And Thursday night is going to be a shindig in the um, uh, best steakhouse in town, and then we'll. We followed up Sunday night with a shindig in the best steakhouse in town, right across the street from where we're running the games. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that sounds like a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't think I'll be able to convince my wife to come with me, but you know what? It, it'll be a fun time out in the desert. Uh, and my, so my wife uh, went on the cruise, and all the wives, uh, they all got together and had their own fun. Let me tell you, um, it, was it um, was it Weiss's wife who ended up going? Damn, why didn't I just go? Because yeah, she, she joined us in New Orleans, but she didn't get on the boat. Yeah, yeah so I, I think we had like a hundred total people under our banner, and about mm -hmm. seventy active gamers who gamed in more than one game. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, there were about thirty people there who just had fun doing the cruise thing, and mm -hmm. you know, getting I in the hot tub, going on tours, years. eating on the food. Yeah, oh, just, yeah. And, and I'll bring up board games for uh, um, uh, that have a Old West theme and have a good time. And I can teach board games, too, because I, 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 I'm, uh, I'm one of those equal opportunity gamers. Everything from miniatures to war games to LARP, I do it all. I don't know. Bring your cats. Bring your cats. Call them. <laughs> they, are, they are service cats. And the hotels are all animal friendly. We yes. make sure of that because I've got dogs. And mm -hmm. uh, no, I mean, part of the deal behind the expeditions is that the whole family can come. I mean, that's kind of yeah. important to Shane, you know, that it, it's got to be more than just a convention. It's got to be something you can bring the whole family and have other fun stuff to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, Deadwood's pretty fun for the family because the music festival's going on. All the casinos have buffets. Um, there's, Fox and I, we spent, what, two and a half hours at a fish hatchery in Spearfish. That was actually yeah, very entertaining. Two so, and a half hours just right. walking around the fish hatchery. Yeah, and for so, a casino town, it's not uh, it, it's not an in-your-face casino town. It's got plenty of other stuff to do. Yeah, the museums are fantastic. The um, the Fox and I went up there. We had a lecture at um, uh, Black Hill State University. Um, <laughs> go Yellow Jackets! And uh, we actually gave a lecture on gaming and being gaming professionals. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, with interactive gaming, right? And uh, so the we checked out all the places and like the museums there are fantastic. The Adams House, you get to go see the place where um, Wild Bill was shot. Mm -hmm. um, it, you could, there's actually enough to do in town that the, the whole family can come, even if you're not gaming all the time. And the hotel we're in is pretty choice. It is literally right downtown and it's it's a nice hotel. So yeah, the complimentary. Uh, it like all Hampton Inn and Suites, it does the complimentary. Um, uh, breakfast buffet and the whole bit, and I, I don't know if the breakfast buffet is, uh, buffet is the same with COVID, but I'm sure they make it work. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. 
Well, guys, we are uh, kind of at the end of our time here. My neighbors are trying to blast me out of my apartment um, <laughs> with their with their base out there. Uh, but as is tradition at the end of Rolling Bones, uh, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, Savage Expeditions. Uh, anything else that you guys want to promote? Go ahead. The floor is yours. Uh, let's see. Um, we're about to roll out a follow announcement on your show. Uh, Gilbert Gallo has a very cool uh, Wuxia setting called Wuxia Warriors. And uh, we are going to open that up to playtesting soon. So hit us up at admin at rockymountainsavages.com if you want to join in the Wuxia Warriors playtest. We also have swatrpg.com. Click on join the playtest for spells, weapons, and tactics. Uh, Twitter, rmsavages. Instagram, rmsavages. Savagecruise.com, savagexpedition.com, tabletop events, search for Deadwood. That's what I we're going to be doing. Uh, Savage Cast is not dead. Mm-hmm. COVID, again, has just made things a little more difficult with Chris being down south in the Springs, me being, you know, up, up in the Denver area, Dustin moving to wherever he moved to, good uh, Lord, far away. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically Wyoming. So, no, but Savage Cast is still – we're still going to be getting some episodes. We're not dead. We didn't pod fade. It's just real life and things going on. And it's just, it's, it's hard when you can't get together. I, I say kudos to all these podcasts who are doing remote recordings and things, but Chris and Dustin and I like to sit and have a good time. And it's just, it's just not the same, not being able to do it face to face. I don't think. So we're not dead. We'll, we'll be back. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode of Rolling Bones. Uh, just as a reminder, this Saturday uh, at 9 a.m. Central, we are going to be bringing back uh, Danishes and Dragons. And, uh, of course, we will be talking with my good friend Austin Acoth about just all the craziness that has uh, occurred since I've left that Charlotte gaming group and, and all the cool stuff that he's done. He recently wrapped up a campaign that involved a train. So that'll be interesting to hear about. And uh, of course, next week on Rollin' Bones, I have not booked a guest. What I'm going to do next week is we're going to try that James Bond thing again. Uh, the breakfast food for Saturday is in fact uh, to be determined. Austin will be picking it, but yeah, next week, Uh, We're going to try a take two on the James Bond RPG episode. Hopefully this time I won't sound like a Bond villain. (laughs) Bond villains are best villains. Absolutely. I do. I do have a cat that I could put on my lap, but if I pick him up, he's going to attack me because he's sleeping right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you for having us on your show, Ryan. Love your show. Oh, no problem at all, guys. This has been a ton of fun. So guys, uh, Until next time, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, Ryan Howard here. Just wanting to remind you all that now, instead of just listening to the podcast every Saturday morning, you can join us live on Monday nights at 8pm Central on Twitch to watch and listen to my interviews each week. I'll also be doing a Saturday morning show called Danishes and Dragons, where I discuss both D&D campaigns 
and my favorite breakfast foods and coffees. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you, and you can find links to Twitch and YouTube in the show notes page. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and thank you very much for listening.